Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 57th episode of VisionCon Live, your go-to nerdy talk show. I'm your host, Zach Wilson. You can come here to see me today. You can. You meet the man of the hour. He's Hohenheim from the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, all for one from My Hero Academia, Salvador from the Borderlands series, just to name a few. He's a legendary actor and the anime dad extraordinaire. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the one, the only, John Swayze. John, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Zach. What an introduction, man. <laughs> where, where do I mail the check? Oh, my God. <laughs> I certainly That was cried. awesome. That I'm, was awesome. I appreciate it. Actually, one of, the, one of the prints that I sell, it's funny you talk about dads, one of the prints that I sell is, is, is got a hodgepodge of all the dads I played, and it's entitled, Who's Your Daddy? <laughs> I saw that on your website, and uh, guys, for those of us watching this, either live on Facebook or later on YouTube, we'll get to uh, those prints and many more later, but uh, I had to move around a lot in that intro because I don't know what it is about the Midwest, but I am just cold as hell. I don't know if it's because I'm a very tiny human being by comparison, or it's just naturally cold in the Midwest, but I just, I do not get, ev if it's 50 degrees or below, I just am freezing. Oh, wow. Well, that's my wife. <laughs> my wife is, I mean, she, it could be 75 and she's freezing. Oh my God. Okay. You know, and down, down here in Texas, I mean, you know, 60 degrees is what you want, you know, because <laughs> it's so bloody hot all the time. Oh, sure. And it, and in Houston, especially it's full of humidity. So it just, you know, that's what I've heard. But, uh, also, before we continue, uh, for our audio listeners who've never actually like seen the show visually, sorry to burst your bubble if you guys thought I was like some massive unit. I'm uh, 140 pounds and barely five foot seven. <laughs> That's okay. I make up for it. I'm 250 pounds. So, Ooh, all right. Well, there you go. Yeah. I can I, sit on you. You can my sit. Son, on just, just for the record, my son just looked over at me like 250. Come on, Dad. <laughs> No, that's, that's what not I, my idea. That is not Okay, my fair idea. enough, fair enough. All right, guys, we got a lot to get to, so uh, let's go ahead and get started. So I want to start us first off with John. John, you're a household name, a legend in your industry, over 300 characters you've played throughout your career, and counting, but what I wanted to start us off with is how we got here. Was showbiz always the plan, or did something happen later on in life that kind of brought you to where we are today? Yeah, so... Um, I was about 15 years old, and for those keeping score, I'm 56 now. <laughs> but I was 15 years old or so, and my parents took me to New York on a trip. And we saw a play called Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah. It was the, ori the original Broadway cast, and we had um, incredible seats. We were in the orchestra, and uh, it I don't know if it was closing night, but there, if I remember correctly, I mean, they, they did stuff that they hadn't done in the past. Like they sang the final number, they came out into the crowd and, and it was just electrifying. And we went to Sardi's for dinner and we, you know, saw stars and uh, Broadway stars. And, and, and then we got a limo ride home, you know, and, uh, it was like so magical. And I bought my, I made my dad, or I asked my dad, you know, buy, can I buy the soundtrack? So I bought the record and the remainder of our trip all through the Northeast, wherever we would go, I would find a record player and just play the crap out of that record. I love that show. And I was, but I decided right then and there that I wanted to be an actor. And um, so I came home and started getting involved in, my theater at, at my school got cast in a couple of plays and ended up doing um, got the lead my senior year in uh, Much Ado About Nothing and also kind of discovered a tenant for improvisation and I was doing some stuff on stage that I had never done in rehearsal and it was just it was just getting hysterical laughter and you know, I was like, wow. And the director was like, Oh my gosh, when did you come up with that? I love that. You know? And so went off to college, got a degree in theater, came back to Houston in 1987 and uh, with every intention of moving to New York and um, ended up getting a job at a comedy theater doing sketch comedy. And uh, 
I, I love doing that. Then I discovered that's what I really love doing was comedy and doing improvisation and that kind of thing. And then started doing commercials and started landing some film roles and TV roles that were being shot in Texas. And um, then I kind of fell into voice acting or voiceovers, doing commercials and stuff like that. And uh, about 1995 or 96, no, 96, I was in a band called the PC Cowboys. It's politically correct country and Western music. It was a, I dig it. It was a, com it was a comedy act. And you can find our, so we wrote all the original material. You can find it on iTunes and stuff. But anyway, um, I was talking to this guy who was our opening act. And uh, he was talking about voiceover. And I didn't know who he was. And I was like, well, that's, that's kind of weird. I mean, I, you know, it's a small community. So um, he goes, well, I do anime. And I'm like, what's anime? <laughs> he goes, well, granted, this is 1997. Sure. He, go, he goes, well, it's Japanese animation. You should do it. And I'm like, well, I don't speak Japanese. You know, I, how am I supposed to do that? He goes, no, 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 no. We dub it into English. And I was like, oh. So I got an audition. His wife uh, was at one of the directors. And um, he got me an audition. And, man, I went over there, and I thought I was like, the I was it, you know, I was the Frank Sinatra voiceover. And I walked in, these people had no clue who I was, you know, and I thought they did. <laughs> and I, I completely bombed my audition. I mean, just <laughs> fell flat on my face. And they were like, okay, well, thanks for coming in. And uh, I went to my car and I sat there and they had other people waiting. But I went back in and I said, you know, um, I know you've got other people. But I'd really like another shot at it. And they said, well, that's fine, but you have to wait till we get through everybody. And if there's enough time, we'll do it again. Sure. I said, okay, I, you bet. And there was, and I jumped in. I kind of realized what I was not doing right and just went for it. Went, and they were like, oh, that's way better. Okay, yes, <laughs> we can cast you. My very first show was a show called Golden Boy. And, uh, that was in 1997 and it just kind of, you know, took off. And then, you know, I had the, the, just the literally being in the right place at the right time. This little old company in Houston, Texas was doing anime and within three or four years became the largest distributor of anime in North America. And we were doing shows all the time. You know, it started off like, doing a show here and then, you know, doing a show in a month. And it suddenly, you know, before they added on studios and they were, you know, suddenly they had five studios running in there. I was just fortunate enough to get in on the, almost on the ground floor. And then I got hooked up with Funimation and, you know, they were always, Funimation back in the day was looking for a lot of actors and there were a lot of actors in Houston that could do this ADR thing. So they were a lot of people. That's where Monica started at ADV, Lucy Christian. You know, a lot of the people that are, are legendary started in Houston at ADV. And then, you know, now they work for all kinds of studios. But so anyway, that's kind of it. And then I, I started directing probably in <clears throat> maybe 2003, started directing. And I've been, it was an on and off contract director for years. And about a year ago, um, I finally became a uh, full-time director and employee. So I'm, I'm now gainfully employed <laughs> after 20-something years of doing this freelance. Awesome. And uh, yeah, thank you. And it's been great. And I love it. And I love going to conventions and, and meeting fans and getting to talk to people like you. And, and uh, you know, at first I was, I was very self-deprecating and just, you know, like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm nothing, you know, whatever. And, you know, I kind of realized that, you know, I, uh, this brings joy to people. So why, why should I not celebrate that joy? You know, I don't mean, look at me, I'm awesome. Sure. But I mean, if it brings somebody joy of what I do, that's something to be proud of. You know, it's not something to go, wow, oh, it's <laughs> nothing. Because then, then it's like, well, then. It can make people use nothing. I believe in something stupid. So I had to, had to take a hard look at myself, you know.
anyway, so that's kind of what happened. And I, I you know, I, uh, I still do occasional voiceovers for other projects and uh, still, well, you know, if I get a commercial, I'll do it. But most of my, most of my work, you know, 90% of my work is oh. I think we're, uh, we're, we're losing you, John. How are we doing now? Am I okay, that's better. Yeah, that's a little better. Yeah, I've traveled through a little canyon. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. It turned into Tron for a little bit. Oh. <laughs> well, anyway, that I was just, I don't know if you heard it, but like I was saying, about 90% of what I do now is just full-time anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And I will say, before we continue, I wanted to say two things. Number one, plenty of you have already put in the live chat, if you're watching this live on Facebook, your viewers' comments and questions. That's awesome. You guys also can message VisionCon directly, those viewers' comments and questions, and we'll get to those at the very end. But now we love how humble you are, John, but I will say from a producing side, we've had a lot of people on this show, but your sh- this episode that we are doing right now has been one of the most anticipated episodes of VisionCon Live so far. So Wow. Well, thank you. That's very, very humbling. Thank you. <laughs> well, like I said up, up top when we started, over 300 characters throughout your entire career. We don't have time, obviously, to touch on all of them, but I wanted to touch on three of them. The first of which we would be remiss if we didn't talk about. He's a legend in the series and my personal favorite character in Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. That character, of course, is the one and only Von Hohenheim. So before we kind of delve deep into Von Hohenheim, just give us a brief overview about the character, any fun anecdotes involved in getting the parts, anything at all. John? Nope. We might have lost him. Oh, there you are. So, uh, Hohenheim, as we all know, I'm here. Okay. Uh, Hohenheim is Edward's father, you know, and um, it's funny how I got the part because um, originally it was voiced by Scott McNeil, who's a Canadian actor. And um, I. God, think because there was a work issue with Scott being from Canada. I think I don't know for sure. Sure. But I I just remember. Oh, and I may lose you here. I'm going into another canyon. Yeah, but no I just remember. I just remember that Mike McFarland asked me to audition for something, and he couldn't really talk about it, and he didn't even give me like. We just read, I just read lines, but he, he played Scott McNeil's character for me and said, I don't want you to mimic him. I just need you to kind of capture the essence of what he is. I was like, okay, that's fine. So I did it. I auditioned. And then, you know, however long later I found out you got, I got the part, um, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, It's funny because I know we're not talking about him, but that's also how I got another iconic evil dad in uh, Evangelion. Yeah. I, play Gen- I play Gendo, but I was not the original Gendo. I, I replaced an actor named Tristan McCavery and uh, then uh, did it for years and years. And then uh, Netflix did a reboot and recast everybody. But good stuff is on the, the forefront. So can't talk about it, but anyway, uh, anyway, so that's, that's kind of how I got the role. You know, I, I love doing the character, um, because, um, it's, it's not, it's something that sat well within my, uh, vocal range, but it also is one of the characters that defined kind of what, what I now get cast a lot as, you know, um, which is dads and stuff like that. But it's other than uh, Undertaker and Black Butler and uh, uh, Lord Death and Soul Leader. Thank you, son. Lord <laughs> Death. You know, most of my characters are all kind of in the same vein. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are. Yeah, that's a hell of a genre to be typecasted in. 
Well, you know what? As we all say, I'd rather be typecast than not cast. So, um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so that's kind of that's kind of the the how it all came together for me on that show. Well, it's like Hohenheim in general is just such a compelling and interesting character, and like you know, just kind of the mystery and tribulations that kind of dwell around Hohenheim is what makes him that incredibly dynamic character. So, was there ever a point while playing him that you kind of began to relate to him on a bit of an emotional level? um yeah a little bit you know um when i first started doing it um it was so what one thing and if you've talked to actors you know you've probably heard this before but you know when we are dubbing it into english the first thing for me is i have to remember that the Japanese voice actor is the one who created this role. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're the ones who did it. So I don't, I personally don't look at a role and go, okay, now how am I going to tackle this guy? How am I going to do this? First thing I do is I listen to what the Japanese actor is doing and, and, and capture that. So if it's, you know, if it's whatever emotional level, that actor is in or on that's what i'm trying to i'm trying to get there too so that it makes sense you know it, it doesn't it wouldn't make sense for me to put my own spin on it so um but as far as me you know relating to it i mean other than like being a dad and <laughs> being fr frustrated as hell with your kids sometimes uh, it's uh you know it, it's it's I, it's not like I totally like related to him and, and sure. it was like, that's me, you know? Um, but I did, uh, I did really try to identify with his cool and collectiveness, you know, his, his calm of a situation, you know, I, I like characters and, and we're going to talk about another one, I think in a little bit, but you know, it's like the guys that you think you feel like they know everything that's going to happen over the next whatever pick a time period mm. they've got it all mapped out already they've got it all figured out they know you know what's going to happen and uh that is not me at all <laughs> i mean i am completely the opposite of that but uh anyway it was still it was one of the funner more fun characters i've ever voiced for sure well you touched on a Something that I kind of want to explore a little bit more on is, um, so as a anime voice actor, you know, you have to take a lot of inspiration from the source material being the original Japanese uh, voice actor. But as a director, right. do you find that ever that maybe some of the young bucks in the industry maybe come in here trying to think, hey, I'm going to put my spin on this instead of doing that? Do you ever kind of run into that issue? I... Um, not, not so much. Um, and if I do, I, I put the kibosh on it pretty quick, <laughs> but, um, no, the, the biggest thing for me and with, with new voice actors. So if anybody is watching this and wants to, is aspiring to be an actor and, you know, we get asked that all the time. It's kind of a dovetail into the, but it's be an actor. Don't just want to be a voice actor be an actor because it doesn't matter what you're doing or where what platform you're on it's acting so with newbies new actors a lot of times they'll like they'll, they'll come up and they'll go i can do a great von hohenheim like well that's nice yeah but they've already got one so <laughs> you don't need to do that you're talking to so <laughs> yeah. So what you want to do though is, is what I, and what so what I'm saying is, is there's a lot of times they'll come in and they'll do what we call an anime voice, and it and it's just it's very sing songy and cutesy and all this and I'm just like no 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 no, no. Let's, <laughs> we're not doing that we're gonna now I want you to listen to what the Japanese actor is doing and it, as a director too it's sort of my job to not sort of it is my job to cast cast the right people in the right roles so that they fit that character. But, um, you know, you, you want them to act. You don't want them to just be 
zing zongy goofy and all that so um it's not so much the uh, uh getting them to uh um i mean it's, it's more about getting them in the right not in the right voice it, it is in the voice but in the right emotional state mm -hmm. and uh that's that's where we really have to um direct the actors a lot of times too because we're doing you know when we direct actors we're doing them sing you know, one at a time it's not a room full of actors so especially the early actors that come in they may not always get the context of what the scene is you know they're doing lines and i you know i have to tell them read the line ahead of yours first so you, you understand what you're responding to or what you're talking about or something like that and then if it's something that's not made clear then i'll explain hey you know i need you to say this this way because it's not giving them a line read it's just giving them the context of what they're reading or what they're doing Got it. so they can they can give the right performance freeze again yeah he froze a little bit up okay Hopefully. No. Oh, oh there you are there you are okay all right all right well john I just gotta say, I mean, you're a great guy and we really appreciate you having us here. But I wanna talk about a bad guy next. I want now, all of us know, My Hero Academia, one of the most popular animes out there right now. I wanna talk about the ultimate bad guy pulling the strings in the entire series. I wanna talk about the one and only All For One. Now, like we did earlier with Hohenheim, just give us a brief overview of the character, maybe fun anecdotes involved in getting the part, anything at all. Okay, so Colleen Klinkenbeard is the director. And this was a role that she cast me in where it wasn't a very big part at first. You know, just a couple of lines here and there. But again, because of roles like Hohenheim and Gendo and stuff like that, I think she felt like this is right in John's wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but every, I remember every time I would go in and read for, or do a session, she was always like, and you wear this mask and we don't even see your face. And so, you know, and then it just turns out he becomes, you know, this epic master villain. And, uh, it was just phenomenal. And I'll never find a convention one time, Florida. This is probably four years ago. She goes, uh, all for one is a pretty big deal and i was like and i was like really oh that's cool and she goes no 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 you don't understand this show is blowing up and i was like oh that's cool and she goes chris sabbath when he goes to conventions gets more requests for all might than he does for dragon ball Oof. and i was like oh that is blowing up she goes oh my gosh it's gonna be huge and then uh, a couple of really, really good um, things happened. Uh, number one, the show got really popular. Number two, it, um, my character, All For One, started increasingly having a larger role in the show. And then uh, the, pop started, the pop figures started coming out for him. I think he's got like four or five of them now. They're so cool, too. Yeah, they really are. So, um, so um, yeah, so that was really it. But uh, it was funny because I had no idea that this thing was blowing up like this. Until, you know? <laughs> Until it was like, whoa. So, yeah. And, like, and I love playing them. I love playing them. And I have it on, uh, you know, people always ask, so when are you coming back or, you know, what's happening? And we never know. I mean, I don't know. Sure. You know, but usually the fans know more than I do because they're they're reading the manga or whatever. You know, but I I was informed the other day by a fan that um, and I knew this was going to happen. I, it had to have happened. Sure. 
but he's going to break out of prison. Hell yeah. And raise all kinds of hell. You heard it but here in the chat. <laughs> I, 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 I knew that had to have been happening. You know, it had yeah. to happen. He can't just rot away. And, you know, I mean, it's like Silence of the Lambs, you know. Um, uh, he, he's going to get out and he's going to wreak havoc. And I think somehow he's going to end up doing like a Obi-Wan and give himself up so he can meld with Shigaraki. And make sugar, you know what I mean? That's, mm -hmm. Now, that's all my speculation. But, sure. I, you know, but it just has something epic has to happen. Well, it's, you know. it's interesting that you bring the Silence of the Lamb because when I was watching the most recent movie, I got, and they cut to that scene with you in the prison, I got a strong Hannibal Lecter Silence of the right. Lamb feel from that. Right, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, what's on the, you know, forefront and what's going to be happening. So um, hopefully it's coming out, you know, in the, in the new season and we'll start recording again. So, well, and like, it's gonna be fun. This series is just chock full of amazing villains. But you know, with you being the ultimate antagonist, I mean, that's quite the tall order. So, I did want to ask: Is there anything about playing a villain, especially one of such stature, that you kind of find enjoyable or perhaps even compelling compared to voicing protagonists? Uh, well, you know, I'm not. Uh, I I always love playing the bad guy. The bad guy is always more fun to play. He has a better story arc. He has a, it's more interesting. Um, and, and so I've always loved playing the villains. And I've, you know, again, been very lucky and very blessed to have made a, a decent living doing it. Um, so that's the thing. I wanted to tell you, you asked about anecdotes and I wanted to share this. <laughs> oh, for sure, go ahead. It just reminded me, but uh, last year when the pandemic was in full swing, um, uh, Funimation was going to do an online one-day convention. Yeah, I remember. Okay. And in that, during that, they wanted to have uh, me play the video game for my hero <laughs> against Chris Sabat's All Might. Oh, that would be awesome. And so, yeah. So the thing is, though, I am in no way, shape, or form a gamer at all. <laughs> so they sent me the game and the headset and whatnot. My son has an Xbox, so that, that was, I mean, a PlayStation, so that was fine. And uh, he started playing the game, and he got pretty good at it. So I came up with the idea that um, we're going to do this, because it was going to be a Zoom call and all this kind of thing. Sure. And I said... I'm going to play and I'm going to have the camera like this and I'm going to look like I'm playing, <laughs> but my son is going to sit next to me and he's actually going to play. You dug. And Colleen thought it was brilliant. She goes, Oh my gosh. Yes. Cause Josh, you need to get over son. <laughs> uh, it, it was like, you know, there's for one thing, it would have been about a, a 30 second video if I played. Sure. So um, anyway, so we were, uh, we were, and then at the end, I would reveal, well, it was actually my son, you know. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we won. So the first game, uh, the first match, we won. Now, I don't know if Chris was just doing a rope-a-dope and let me win one. But then he slaughtered me the second and the third game. So, and, and Josh, my son, was basically, he goes, it's the internet. Our internet connection was weak. Josh. Oh, okay. Sorry. You're fine. Nervous dad here. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, but he was saying that we had we were we were having a, uh, a a bad connection, and it was things were not the character was not responding to the controls or whatever. So, anyway, we lost, but it was really funny, and they got a kick out of it. <laughs> uh, Chris thought it was it. Chris thought it was a good idea. And, it was a lot of fun, you know, create a little, genius. a little hubbub. <laughs> Glad to hear that Chris Sabat's a homie too. Chris Sabat is a wonderful, wonderful guy. He really is. He's uh, one of my favorites and um, I, I just think the world of him. 
and he's a just a very very nice and very down to earth genuine fellow oh. you know very good guy so Oh, so sweet. And before we continue, uh, for our audio listeners, um, John Swayze right now is on the road. So that's what uh, the connection kind of things are about. So, but uh, yeah, I apologize. Oh, don't even worry. This but uh, before we continue, guys, oh, did we lose? Oh, there you are. Okay. Uh, before we continue, guys, since we're about the halfway point, I did want to reiterate plenty of you guys have both messaged VisionCon directly and put in the live chat your viewers' comments and questions if you're watching live. You still have got time to do so. Just wanted to remind you, you still have a little time before we get to those. But the last character I wanted to explore, we're jumping a little bit from anime and going to video games. I want to talk about a beloved character from a series that perfectly blends you know, comedy and characterization with also fast-paced gameplay. That game, of course, is Borderlands. So I want to talk about the one and only Salvador. Now, like we've done, just before we dive too much, too deep, just give us a brief overview, funny anecdotes, anything at all, John. So yes, Salvador, Salvador. He's uh, he is one of my favorites. Um, uh, I recorded that. Speaking of Chris Sabat, we recorded that at, at his studio, uh, Ocrotron Five Thousand, in Dallas, and um, I I was up there. on doing something and video games and then i auditioned for a couple of roles uh one was uh um salvador and another one was a smaller character called flank steak and i ended up getting both of them but flank steak was just a, a minor character sure. but uh but i got borderlands and I, you know again i'm not a gamer so i was like okay this will be fun and now recording for a video game is much different than recording for anime because it's what we call prelay where we're we're laying in the audio before the, the artwork and the animation is even finished so it, it's a lot faster and um but there's a lot of lines you have to do obviously you know because there's different scenarios that pop up and um so but everything he does is like this <laughs> and um, we would, I mean, it would just shred my voice. I would, I would go up for a three or four hour session and it's, you know, it's a four hour drive up there and I would leave the session literally going, see you guys later. <laughs> I mean, just blood gushing out of my throat, you know, and it was, it would be the whole four hour drive before I even had a voice back. Oh my God. So it, it was brutal. But, you know, it was a lot of work and it really paid off. I've got two really funny stories I'll tell you. Go for it. Uh, um, one of them I need to ask you about. But uh, I did a, was doing a convention up in Nebraska, Wisconsin. <laughs> and um, I was, uh, that one of the things they wanted me to do was um, play. They were going to have a panel where people were going to play the game. And they wanted me to comment on it as Salvador, <laughs> like a play, play by play. Well, I, at, up to this point, I'd not even seen the game, so <laughs> they've got it on a they've got it on a giant screen, and these guys are playing on it, and I'm just looking at it, going, <laughs> and they they keep going, say something, wow, <laughs> no, no, say something funny, I'm like. About what? I mean, I was blown away by it. But um, there's a, uh, I don't know, are we, uh, how, how PG is your show? Uh, well, it's a late enough show that I like to, it, it flirts the line between PG-13 and R. Well, there's, there's a funny joke, or funny thing that happened. And it's when people always ask me, what's my favorite line? Um, I'll see if I can't give you the, the PG version of this, but you know, there's all kinds of stuff said, all kinds of stuff done in the game. But there was one point where he's in gun zerker mode and he's got both of his guns and he's just like, you know, going, you know, spraying everybody. Yeah. And he, he's having this sort of orgasmic experience. 
<laughs> and he just blurts out, it's like having three male appendages. <laughs> but that's not what I, that's not what I said. I said, yeah, it's sure. like having three, you know, yeah. rhymes with, rhymes with Rick. <laughs> and um, apparently that never made it into the game. Did it not? No. <laughs> Which I'm like, why? I mean, that's, I, it's not like the worst thing ever said. So anyway, you know, I always get a, when I tell that joke at conventions and stuff or tell that story, I always get a lot of laughs, obviously, and that kind of thing. But, but the funny part was, is I was, I, I told that story at many conventions and I was doing a convention down in uh, Miami one year. And we were doing autographs, and these guys uh, show up, and they drove all the way from Ohio wow. down to Miami, Florida. And they came up to my table. I was doing autographs. They came up to my table, and they pulled out this piece of wood about uh, a foot by foot, you know, 12 by 12. Sure. Uh, and it was a thick piece of wood, thick piece of wood, and it had a wood burn of a character I did named Wong from a show called Darker Than Black. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's very nice. How, how thoughtful of you. I appreciate that. Very nice. They go, we have one more. And they pull out another <laughs> identical piece of wood that has a wood burn. And it says, it's like having three. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is great. Thank you. I can't wait to show my wife this. <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? I'm like, honey, we'll put it on the mantle. Put know? it on the mantle. So, yeah, my son just goes, whatever happened to that? I'm like, pretty sure it got 86. <laughs> it got <laughs> yeah. lost in the move. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, it was fun. And that, that character was so much fun. I was thrilled um, when uh, uh, I got a, a call from Joel, uh, the ADR director over there who Joel used to work at uh, Funimation and then he went over to Gearbox and was become their full-time voice director. Mm. But I knew him from Funimation days and he was not, he didn't direct two, but he did direct three. And uh, so I was thrilled when uh, Salvador got some DLC. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not playable. It's a commentary, mm. but it was still a lot of fun and, you know, I was glad to be a part of the show again. And I was asking him the other day, I just said, Hey, you know, they're doing this live action movie. And I wonder, you think uh, Salvador will make an appearance? And he's like, I don't know. You know, and I was trying to think like, you know, they've hired on a bunch of actors, but who, if they did, who could play Salvador? That'd be a tall order. I, and I, you know, other than Dwayne Johnson, I really don't know who you get to do it. <laughs> Could you imagine? Maybe yeah, Jason Momoa. or Jason Momoa would. That'd be a sick yeah. one. That'd be a sick one if they, if he was like on his like knees, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Well, we're. So, I want to make sure we have enough time for viewers' comments and questions because we're running a little behind. But I really want to get to the next thing that I want to talk about. Now, all all of these things, they're incredible characters directing, but a lot of people may not know this. You're also trying to give back to the world in the form of literature. Now, I want to talk about Jungle Berg. Ooh, so let me get this on screen real quick. And uh, real quick, for our audio listeners or people that are just tuning in right now, I've got all of the links that are going to be talked about during this interview, plus more, with this being one of them, in the live chat if you're watching this live on Facebook or if you're watching this later on YouTube or Spotify. It's going to be down there in the description box below, guys. But so, John, tell us all about Jungleberg, where the inspiration has come, how people can contribute to it and buy a book, anything at all. Right. So, uh, Jungleberg came to me um, several years ago. I was reading a book to my daughter, my four-year-old daughter at the time. No. Well, I don't know how old she was, but anyway. <laughs> that uh, but she... It was a, it was a book. Okay, use your bright son. <laughs> no, flip it, push it forward. There you go. Okay. 
I was reading a book called The Lion Who Wouldn't Brush His Teeth. And it was this cute little book about a lion who wouldn't brush his teeth and he had bad breath and every, all the other animals of the jungle were afraid of him, but mainly because he had bad breath. So once they told him and he brushed his teeth, everyone loved him and they all got along. Anyway, as I was reading, I thought, oh, this would make a fun little audio book. And um, I won't bore you with all the details of that, but uh, it never happened. But then I thought, uh, I, I work with a company here in Houston called Texas State Optical. It's an eyeglass an optim optometric uh, business. And I thought, what if we, what if I did, I'm gonna do my own story. And so I came up with the idea of this monkey who swings into things and it turns out he just can't see very well. And um, so he has to go to the eye doctor, but he's afraid of going to the eye doctor because it's the doctor and he just doesn't know any better. But then he um, goes to the doctor and, and turns out everything's fine. And he gets glasses and um, he, you know, it, it, life is wonderful. And so uh, I've got an old partner, the guy that I used to do the PC Cowboys with, uh, who I met originally when I started acting at a place called the Comedy Workshop back in 1987. We collaborated on this book and we got a friend of ours, Blake Shepard, who's an illustrator and a voice actor to do the illustrations. And we sort of started coming up with the, the idea of not just doing one book, but of doing a series. And so we created the Jungle Bird Children's Reading Community. And Jungle Bird, the, the idea for Jungle Bird was kind of born out of the anime community. And, um, uh, you know, the anime community is very inclusive and accepting. And that's what I want a jungle bird to be. And so um, it, it's, you know, filled with all these animals. But in each story, it deals with something that a child might find to be an insurmountable big deal. Uh, you know, and then they learn how to deal with it. It's not about manning up and get over your fears or, you know, whatever. It's, it's saying it's okay to have that fear or whatever it is, but you just have to figure out how to work with it. So like, for instance, the next book is about a squirrel who's afraid of heights, <laughs> but the squirrel works around it and saves her friends through her own devices without having to go climb up in trees. And it, so it, it deals with that kind of thing. That's sort of the premise of it. And right now we're working, uh, each book has um, uh, some word games in the back um, and stuff. We also did a, an audio version where um, we, it's not just narrated, but it's actually a, a radio play of the book. So we have Lucy Christian in it and Blake Shepard and Pat, Patricia Duran, myself, Mike Vance. Um, and it's, a, it's really cute. You can download that at junglebird.com. But the reason that I went with, and, and there's, a, there's an e-version, you know, you can put on your Kindle or whatever. But the reason that I wanted to do the books app was because um, a, a child holding a book, physically holding a book, or a parent, with a child in his or her lap reading a story to their five or six year old or a grandparent, that is, that's invaluable to me. That, that, is, that is the essence of a solid foundation. You know, and, and reading is, you know, 90% of my work is reading. If I can't read, I can't do the scripts. And so it's just, you know, it's just something that's very important to me. And um, so we've, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of how we created it. And, but right, so you can buy the book. Uh, they're like, I think it's $19.99 plus tax. Or you, can, uh, you can also um, uh, get the audio version. You can buy a bundle or whatever. And, uh, you know, so it's, I'm, I'm really just thrilled with it.
and I can't wait to get onto our second book. But I need to start selling these now so I can, you know, a labor of love and I've paid pretty much everything out of my own pocket. So I'm trying to recoup those costs a little bit before I launch into the second. But the idea is to, uh, I'd like to do at least 10 books um, and then uh, maybe start animating them and create a children's program. And your passion with it is so evident because uh, for the videos that I've seen you post and share about it where you, you and your partner's voice it and like you know to maybe just like a live reading like it is clear that you guys have such passion with this project so guys i put all the links in the live chat if you're watching this live on facebook or if you're watching this later on youtube gonna be down there in the description box below give it a check out the art is incredible the voice acting phenomenal and it's such a great premise as well so go and give it a check out and you'll also notice guys there's plenty of other links in there as well which on that note Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't already, message VisionCon directly or put in the live chat your viewers' comments and questions. Now is your last chance to do so because, ladies and gentlemen, we're in the plug zone. John Swayze, now is your opportunity to plug, promote, advertise, whatever verb you want to use, anything you want. The floor is yours, sir. Well, thank you, Zach. Well, first of all, again, Jungleberg is really, uh, uh, that is my passion right now. That is what is... That's what gets me up in the morning and, and uh, that kind of thing. Um, but stay tuned because we're also, my partner in this, Mike, we're, we've started, we're going to do a thing. Uh, we're going to start coming out with uh, uh, some, a new show doing uh, animation of jokes. <laughs> so anyway, but that's down the road. But uh, yeah, so I, I, it's, I do this. I also teach classes. Uh, people are interested. I can do, if you're not in Houston, I can do a Zoom class um, and, you know, just message me. And if you're interested in learning how to be a voice actor or whatever, I'm happy to these out there for people to get into voice acting. But just like with everything, there's a lot of shysters out there. And so you have to really be very careful about how you spend your money. The, the old adage, it takes money to make money is true, but you want to spend it wisely, not uh, foolishly. But, um, and so really just that, the book and, uh, and classes are really the only things I've got to plug. I'm, I'm, well, uh, speaking of wise purchases, uh, how about we talk, look at some of these prints? Right, yeah, you can go to my little store. I've got prints on there. Um, that's the Who's Your Daddy. <laughs> it's so uh, funny. These are, these are all available. Uh, if uh, for shipping and handling, I think it's 20 bucks plus shipping and handling, maybe four or five bucks, something like that. Um, normally they're 30 at a convention. So um, that's, that's a very popular one right there. The, uh, my hero. And then uh, I've got some new ones that are not on there, um, but they will be soon. Uh, that's a very popular one that comes in a metal print. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very cool different sizes so yeah so check them out man and uh shoot me a shoot me a thing and i'll get you hooked up <laughs> and like i said guys if you watch this live on facebook it's going to be in the live chat or if you watch this later on youtube it's gonna be down there in the description box below guys and with that we are going out of the of the plug zone and going into our final segment viewers comments and questions so real quick, let me get the live chat and everything pulled up, and then we'll go and get started. All right, so we're going to start it off with Chris. He said, hey, John, yesterday was my birthday. You've been one of my favorite voice actors of all time, all time for some time now. That being said, and I'm going to butcher this, so I apologize in advance. What was, uh, what was it like voicing Oda Nobunaga in Sengoku? Basara. Yeah, the best theme song in the movie, Sengoku Basara, The Last Party. Did I nail that? <laughs> yeah, nailed that's it. fine. You know, um, well, thank you for the question. Uh, you know, it was a blast. And we, we get asked that, you know, what was it like doing this particular voice or that particular character? And, you know, to me, um, whatever I'm doing, and I know, I hope this doesn't sound cheesy, but whatever I'm doing, whether it's Oda 
or Hohenheim or uh, All for One or Soldier B. I'm really wanting to do the very best that I can and, and really want to put everything that I can into the role. So, um, you know, obviously some roles are more fun. You know, there, there's <laughs> fun voices and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, characters, when I, when I get to voice a character like Oda, I mean, it's just, it's, there's a real reward to it, especially like that one when it's, I won't say it's not very well known, Josh, this fast lane, you need to get over to that lane. Sorry. You're fine. Not, okay, don't break the speed limit, but don't slow down too much. Okay. <laughs> He's gonna hate me. But <laughs> I'm, um, anyway, so, but it's always fun to do. Uh, you know, it's always a good experience. And, um, you know, I, I've never, I've never had a bad experience in the booth in, in anime. I've never, um, you know, never like, I, I will, I did have one, one bizarre experience if I can dovetail into this a little bit. Go for it. I was working on a show called uh, Coyote Ragtime and uh, older ADV title. Sure. And I played, I played a, the lead guy, the older lead guy named Mr. And he had a voice sort of like this, you know. And, and there was a scene where um, there's an explosion and we're on a bridge or something like that. And we get thrown off of the bridge and then we land on the ground. And the director was notorious for getting actors to do an insane, insane amount of takes. Oh, my God. And then butchering and going, take, take. You know, take five the first part and marry it to take 11 on the second part. And, you know, like, dude, come on, man. Yeah. And so, anyway, what we were doing is called a foley, which we refer to a foley is, um, it's just a noise. Mm. You know, in anime, every time a character moves, they have to make a noise. It's like, huh? Yeah. You know. So this was an off-screen fall. You get blown off the bridge, and then you land. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I mean, normally, it'd be like, that's fine. We're moving on. Yeah, nailed it. We did it, we did it probably 20 times. No! And the, the, the director was like going, well, you know, it's an explosion. Like, okay. So I do it. Then he goes, well, it's not that big an explosion. I'm like, well... You know, it's like Jack Nicholson. Yeah, exactly. Would you say grave danger? Is there any other kind? I mean, you know, <laughs> yes, it's an explosion, dude. But anyway, I, I, was in, I wasn't the director. I'm the actor. So I'm like, okay, sure. we'll do it again. We do it like 20, 20 times. And this director cannot make up his mind. And he looks at the engineer and he's like, what do you think? And he goes, I think it's an off-screen Foley. He's done 20 of them. Pick one. <laughs> you know, so... For real, like that was an uncomfortable situation. What but, is this, uh, Stanley Kubrick? Thought, yeah, right. He thought he was. Anyway, <laughs> so I love voicing all the characters. Well, uh, on that note, uh, Raylene tuned in and said, "Hey, John, what is your favorite moment voicing for Crocodile from One Piece?" Um, wow, I don't know if I have a favorite moment. Um. You know, he was, uh, he was one that was also, you know, that big growly voice. So he was a, he was a shredder. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd finish my sessions with him and my voice would be ragged. Um, but, uh, you know, probably the, the, the most epic times were when I was fighting Luffy mm -hmm. and they'd be these long battles, you know, and he's just like, Yah! you know, <laughs> a lot of that. Um, uh, and uh, a lot of times, too, when we do that, <coughs> we'll, <coughs> pardon me, they'll, you know, we have a script, but a lot of times we'll just, we'll just play it to picture. Mm -hmm. Sure. Meaning, what he does, and I'm going to listen for the Japanese, and, and I'm going to chase whatever the Japanese actor does. Yeah. And then, you know, then they can match it up and move it. But, yeah, so. 
right. not really a favorite moment, but definitely fighting. The fighting with Luffy was mm. was always uh, a fun time. All right, we got time for three more questions, guys. Uh, the next one's going to be from Caroline, who said, besides voice acting, acting, and directing, what are some of your favorite hobbies to do? Well, I love to play guitar. Um, and my son got a chess set for Christmas, really nice chess set. And although we've kind of fallen off, uh, we were having a, a chess game a day. And uh, even though I always get my butt whooped, except for like twice, um, we, we, that's one of the things I really enjoy. And uh, I've just got to find a way to beat him because he's – and it's always – I always start off very strongly. And then at one point, I, I make a move, and he takes my – it's a lesson in hubris. Like, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. A, so, lesson, uh, a lesson in hubris. Yeah, and my son is way smarter than I am. So I think that I think that he's he's actually one of these players that's two and three moves ahead of the game. And I'm like, <laughs> what did I just do? <laughs> so I did I did go on YouTube one time and I was like, what are the best opening gambits? <laughs> And I learned like four of them, but it's there. They were all like um, very non-intuitive because it was like exposing your king right off the bat. But it's like it's it's uh, there are a couple of moves, and and it's funny because you know they go make this move, and more than likely this is what your opponent will do, and that 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 happened. I was playing him, and he did like the first three moves. He did exactly what the YouTube video was saying. And then, but then I lost, you know, ah, after, so, yeah. <laughs> but it's always fun. <laughs> and uh, my wife and I are, um, my wife and I are involved with the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Uh, and so that's actually how we met. Aww. And so we, we volunteer for that. And uh, so, you know, that, yeah, it's pretty much it. And then play guitar. Mm. My, my favorite music, in case anybody wants to know, my favorite band is, the Grateful Dead. Hell yeah. And uh, in fact, I also equate going to conventions a lot like going to a Grateful Dead show. Everyone is there for a good time. No one is there to hassle anybody. And uh, we're all there just to have fun and get along. And there's freaks and geeks and weirdos everywhere. And nobody cares. <laughs> and, you know, I personally think that the world really could learn a lot by going to an anime convention and Beautiful. just see see how people get along. Beautifully you know? said. So. Well, uh, speaking of conventions, uh, Charlie tuned in and said, will you be coming to Yamakon in Tennessee this year? I know you were scheduled on 2020, but didn't, but didn't happen. Uh, so far as I know, yes. I just spoke with my agent the other day. Um, there was one convention that was gonna be in Memphis called Anime Blues. That they they canceled again, but she said, but Yamakon, I guess, contacted her and said, we're still a go. So, you know, I, I you know, I'm just coming from a convention and, um, you know, I uh, put on two conventions myself. One is called Anime Dallas and the other one is called Anime Houston. And we were going to start Anime, we, this past December, we did Anime Dallas. It was our third year. But, um, and Anime Houston was going to be last year in March, but of course the pandemic hit. So we moved it to August. There was, you know, a lot of people thought, well, by August, things will be under control. We canceled it again in August and it was going to be again this year in March. I canceled it again and moved it to August. But, um, uh, and I, I don't really want to go into a lot of this, but I caught a lot of grief from people when I put it on in December in Dallas. And I was, you know, people getting all over me like, I'm going to be a super spreader and blah, blah, blah. But I had been to some shows over the year where I saw how they were doing things. And, uh, you know, social distancing and wearing masks and continuous washing and, you know. And I was like, this can be done. We can do it safely. Mm -hmm. And we did. No one got COVID at my show. Thank uh, you. You know, and it was excellent, but I caught a lot of grief from 
the cancel culture about doing this. And so I had to let it kind of let, you know, I, I just couldn't do anything about it. I just had to let it kind of die away. Sure. Um, but because my belief is this and right or wrong, I mean, it's my belief, but COVID is a very real thing and we have to be very careful. There's no doubt, but it is also something that is going to be here forever. So thankfully vaccinations are coming out, but you know, I still, I mean, I'm in my car now, but yeah. I still wear my mask. They, and they've, they've gone away with the mask mandate in Texas, but everywhere I go, everyone's still wearing one. So, you know, it's important that we do the right things, but we also have to make a living and we have to learn how to work with this in our world now. Yeah. It's not about putting money over health or over safety. That's not it. Sure. But we, you know, it's about learning how, like what you're doing now. I mean, you're doing this online thing. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's interesting when you see some of the things that have actually come out of the pandemic that are good things. Um, one of the things is, uh, you know, we have Sentai in Houston. Hold, hold on, John. I think we lost you. Uh-oh. My, my back? Yeah, last, last thing we heard was we have Sentai in Houston. Sentai in Houston, Funimation in Dallas. But because of COVID, we've had to do a lot of remote recording. Well, because of that, we've really figured out how to really do it well, which has opened up. Now I can hire actors in Dallas, and they don't have to come down. I can do it with them in Dallas. Wow. And, and vice versa. So it's really kind of, you know, that's been one of the positive things that's happened. So anyway, but um, yeah, so far as I know, Yamakana is still on. Excellent. Well, yeah. uh, before we get to our last question, uh, there are plenty of John Swayze fans in the chat, one of which wanted to give a special shout out. Uh, Kristen, who said that you helped them with their giveaway in the group, in their group, uh, Animated uh, Collectors United group. And so she just wanted to let you know that she really appreciated it. Oh, well, that's very sweet. Thank you. Um, I love helping out any way I can and, and, you know, giving back to a community that's given me so much. I mean, literally, you know, um, it, it's funny when people go, you know, if I look back from that time sitting in a theater in New York City, I would have never thought that this is where I would be. You know, I was like, no, I'm going to be a Broadway star. And uh, I, I guess I still could be, Josh. You're right, but I, but I'm, I'm, I'm like so grateful and so thankful to the anime world and um, how it's, you know, the proliferation of it just has exploded. And you know, I'm as I <laughs> say this really quick story. Sure. But uh, one time I was doing a convention in Ireland, and. My wife, when I do conventions and my wife, I say, I'm going to Midland, Texas. She goes, have fun. <laughs> when I say it, I'm going to Dublin, Ireland. She's like, I'm coming. <laughs> so we're on the plane. And um, if you uh, pick an object in your room, like a lamp. Okay. Uh, the button on the lamp knows more about anime than my wife does. <laughs> Uh, John, I think we lost you again. Ooh, John? So, um, on, there you on are. the plane over there, I'm, I'm talking to her and I go, listen, uh, and I don't really know how else to say this. And she was like, you know, and uh, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I'm just season. I'm a celebrity and I, you know, blah, blah, blah. Soon as we land, we go through customs, we get our luggage, and we come in out of the airport, and there's like five people with signs saying, John Swayze, welcome to Ireland. We love you. <laughs> no way. And my, my wife is like, oh, my God. And <laughs> she just flipped out. But anyway, so I'm very grateful. Thank you for that comment. It's, it's, 
anything I can ever do to give back, I'm always glad. To. <laughs> well, we got our we got our last question, and it's of course from my boy Aaron, who's uh, infamous and famous for his interesting questions. So he said, "What is your favorite Disneyland slash Walt Disney World memory that you wish Hohenheim experienced with his family, and why?" Wow, what a great question. Um, it probably has to be, uh, when we did Disney World, um, I actually did a convention the week before in Tampa. And they were like, you want to fly or drive? And I was like, because we'll pay your mileage. I'm like, oh, I'll drive. <laughs> and so I took my whole family. So we just all went over to Tampa. I did the convention. My best friend uh, lives in Tampa. And so we spun, hung out with him and everything. So it was great. And, and over to Orlando, the kids' surrogate grand. Oh, my back. Uh, hang on. You... Hang on. Okay. You there? Am I there? Yep. Yeah, yeah, here okay. you go. So my, but my best, the, the thing that I love the most <clears throat> pardon me, was um, the first day uh, of the Magic Kingdom. We went to the, what's the first park we went to? Uh, we went to Hollywood Studios. Hollywood Studios the first day, but what, the second day we did Magic Kingdom. We did that two days. But the first night, it was all Christmas because we went into in January. It was all Christmas. Yeah. But the late the laser light show that they did on the castle was unbelievable. I mean, I thought I was on acid. I was like, what <laughs> is going on? And uh, it was like crazy good, man. So uh, that would be it. That's incredible. <laughs> until, right. until an ash fell in my son's eye for oh, one of the fireworks. Oh, yeah, that, that would kind of ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway. This has been episode 57 of VisionCon Live. And before we wrap things up, John Swayze, are there any final thoughts you want to leave us on? Sage-like wisdom, anything at all? Um, you know, just thank you to everyone who's chimed in. Thank you for being a fan and, and being supportive. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm very blessed to, to be able to do this. Um, I'm very blessed to have a son who loves the industry pardon me, loves doing it. I have a daughter who's also an actor, Olivia Swayze, who's getting into uh, voicing anime and she's starting to do very well. And um, it's just, I'm just so grateful for this whole community. And uh, to people like you, Zach, thank you for, for putting this on and, and doing a great job. And I must tell you, you're quite the MC. So um, no, it's all great. Um, and you know, go visit Jungleberg and buy a thousand books. 100%. And we'll sign off before my mascara starts running. So ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, this has been episode 57 of VisionCon Live. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. I, of course, am your host, Zach Wilson. But much more importantly, this has been my very special guest, John Swayze. Make sure to check out all the links down in the description box below, guys. And until next time, always remember that life's better when you guys have friends to share it with. Amen.